The Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup fucking champions. Back to back. Lightning strikes fucking twice. Um, and I'll tell you one fan base that's not happy about it. Well, I can tell you about an entire country that's not really happy about it. And it's fucking Canada. As it turns out, Canada, not so good at hockey. Or at least the teams they have there. And they are so fucking butthurt about it. The butthurt for Canadian fans could not be worse. Are there a lot of Canadian players playing on U.S. teams? It's almost entirely Canadian players. Uh, Lightning has tons of them, of course. But just the fact that a Canadian team has not won since 1993 really chaps some asses up in Canada, as it turns out. And I didn't really even realize this until kind of surfing around Twitter this last week. Um, you can really see, I even saw somebody claim that the 2004 uh, Lightning Championship was a farce because of some goal that actually was that they took from Calgary. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but some, you know, it was a podcast on Twitter that tagged us. And then they said, yeah, the, the Tampa Bay fans, they still claim the championship that is Calgary's. And I didn't even know about this controversy. Yeah, so, so the, the, they... they... Still claim every chance Calgary does. It's the only thing that they do that's mainstream relevant at all is play, is, is say that Jelena scored uh, and he didn't. Like he just legitimately didn't. And and it's been proven so many times, so many different ways that Jelena did not score. It's you can do the test at your house. Take a round object, put it on the corner of your desk, look, sit back and look at look at it from that same angle, and now lift it three inches up. Can you see the desk in between it? Yes, you can because the the paint's not to the surface level of the ice. There's fucking inches of ice above those lines. So the puck did not go in. Why is it that uh, all the championship teams that you root for are just always surrounded by controversy, Derek? Every, I don't, every, every I don't know what one. it is. <laughs> well, I don't, you know what's funny? So there, there were, there's also fans complaining about uh, Vasilevsky's uh, equipment that it was too big. Uh, idiots who don't understand camera angles or, or forced perspective. And they're like, oh, Carey Price in, in – uh, Vasilevsky are both 6'3", one's <clears throat> price is 220, Vasilevsky's 225. Why is his equipment so much bigger? And it's like, okay, one, do you think his hand's really three times larger? Or is he closer to the camera? Is he in the foreground? Uh, he also looks like he's three inches taller here. They're the same fucking height, you idiot. So, and he had his all his pads unstrapped. So they're like ballooning out kind of, you know, like like a poncho almost. And he doesn't tuck his, his, his uh, chest protector in to begin with, which is like Eddie Locke. Uh, came on former goaltender and he's like he just doesn't wear it tucked in like this isn't a big deal like I don't know what you guys are talking about <laughs> yeah so um it, it it's just it's it's always amazing too like regardless of what you think of the call the call is the call I mean you 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 could complain about things all day long but the fact that they're still holding this over a decade you know past and it's funny that Marcus said because it's true I, I I think it's hilarious that people still doubt some of the Patriots championships. You know, you got yeah. those memes where they point to the rings and it's like deflate gate, all this. Like people that really allow that to affect their lives this many years later, that just shows the amount of butt hurt that's going on in Canada. It's been almost 20 years and Calgary fans will still say it was in randomly all over the internet. Flags, flags right. fly forever. Well, um, uh, how about, how about uh, the people who are talking about the salary cap? Like the lightning, oh, the lightning are $18 million over the cap. Well, actually, no, they're not $18 million over the cap because there's a rule in place, just like the salary cap is a rule. There's another rule that says if you're on the long-term IR, your salary doesn't count towards the salary cap con uh, 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 estimate and summary. Like, 
It's just the same as the, the, the other one. It's a rule. The, the, funniest thing, the funniest thing to me is in order for this to be some kind of conspiracy and for Tampa to be doing something illegal, long-term IR is an individually verified process by the league. They go through and review everything. They, they get medical opinions. They look at doctor's notes. Like This was a surgery that had a four- to six-month recovery time. Braden Point had the exact same surgery last offseason. took him just over five months. And the Lightning, the only thing that they – lined up here is lightning got lucky that it was a shortened season if it was a full season they would have had to trade tyler johnson or plot or they'd had to shed some salary for sure but because it was a shortened season and the timeline aligned well they were able to take that his salary off the books and keep players instead of shedding it they weren't going to lose kucherov they weren't going to lose anybody in the core they're not going to lose anybody in the core this offseason right well, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because uh, the Lightning accomplished something that will never be done ever again in the history of especially the NHL, but in sports. Back-to-back titles without an entire full season, both shortened seasons. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just another fun trivia thing that you can throw out for uh, some drinks at a bar if you're thirsty and broke. Um, yeah. But uh, – Circumstances yeah. are circumstances, and you can hey. only line. You can only you get. Uh, one of our other buddies, Brandon, likes to comment about oh the, the quality of the teams that you're playing. Let's be real. Pittsburgh for their back to back titles, they beat Nashville and San Jose. Not exactly like markets that are huge on hockey. Um, but anyway, uh, did you guys see the Nikita, Nikita Kucherov post game interview? How the, fantastic was that? You know we majestic. have <clears throat> absolutely majestic. You love. I mean, I, the thing is like. You can't have it both ways. So many, so many fans of hockey complain about these like same canned responses. I mean, you see them; they're fucking memes. Get Plex deep. Got to take his eyes away. You got to play in the dirty areas. All the fucking same shit. Play two hundred feet. You get a guy who's really having a you know, he stand up for his guy. He thinks Vasilevsky should have won the Vesna this year. Is super strong case for it. Uh, I think he was should have been the favorite over Marc Andre Fleury. He was for a lot of people, but Marc Andre Fleury got a little bit of a bump from a lifetime achievement award. Bassie's 26. He's going to win a couple more. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But you, you mean a player who's in the trenches with this guy sticking up for his teammate, you're going to get mad at that? Like, get how, how great is it that Cooch was like, oh, the guy from Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite part. He didn't even well, call him by name. He had, he, had a bro- he had a broken rib. So he's getting painkiller injections. <laughs> and then he was pounding beers. So. Uh, that combination, I mean, I'm forgetful of people's names sober. Oh, no, so, I like yeah. to think that that was purely intentional. Oh, the guy from Vegas. Yeah. So, so Vassie like, finished with more wins than Flurry, uh, better winning percentage, better five on five save percentage, and uh, better save to get uh, goal saved above average percentage. Yeah. It was like, a small margin, but he was definitely better. I got to be honest, I loved everything about it. Uh, the interview by itself, probably a nine. But him doing it shirtless on a scale of ten, it had to be a thirteen. Like how fucking, how incredible! Shows up, chugs a beer. You guys ready for the show? Uh, <laughs> I love, I love hockey players, man. He hears the guy from the Atlantic's name, and he goes, "All right, come on, Joe, come on, yeah. come on, Joe." Yeah. And, way, uh, I, I was really surprised how well his like English sounded. Like Ovechkin still hasn't got it. Obviously, Malkin definitely doesn't have it. But he's my just- uh, my my favorite is because you know doesn't have a complete command of the English language. Uh, the phrase "number one bullshit" has already turned into a T-shirt. I saw uh, every. Um, uh, I think it's everything hockey or something like that. But they, yeah, they turned turn, turned into a T-shirt. Number one bullshit. <laughs> 
Okay. It's, it's great. And then he mentions, you know, uh, I love because there is there's a certain arrogance with Canadian fans where they, you know, they, it, it's it's it, it is like we're referring to it's 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 a butt hurt about their ineptitude in this shared international league that we have with them. And it really goes to show like after they won that game, I saw so many tweets about this game will be one in the seventh. Like what? Yeah. Like, Calgary, I just love immediately it was like, Calgary in seven. Well, he's basically like, what, 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 what do you, he's yeah. like, dude, did, did nobody watch this series? They were dominated, <laughs> dominated. This wasn't a close series at all. The lightning hit four posts and it took an overtime uh, mistake by uh, fucking Jan Ruda for them to win the game. Like, yeah. and not With, get swept. Without Price, get they're, swept. So out, they're so insanely outplayed in this <clears> series. I mean, it's not even funny. I mean, pr- give it up to Price. What what an yeah. incredible series from Price. I mean, he's he's the only thing that kept them even slightly in it. Like, straight, yeah. straight, straight up, he if he if he was like a cons my favorite for me. Uh, and he probably still finishes second, even with you know struggling in the in the cup. But th- that's a team that really didn't even deserve, I guess, to even be in the playoffs, let alone get how far they did. He's in a normal year, with a normal structure, they wouldn't even made the playoffs. They're yeah. the, eight, the 18th best team in the league. In a normal situation, they would have never even made the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, that's how good he was. He carried them through the playoffs. Oh, he's he's phenomenal. There's, yeah. there's been kind of a passing of the torch. It was Lundqvist for, for a little while, and then it got passed over. Carey Price, absolutely the best goaltender in the world. And I'd say the last like year and a half, two years, I think Vasilevsky st- is starting to take that step past Carey Price. Um, it has to do with age as, as well. Uh, but, I mean, <clears throat> Carey Price is fucking phenomenal. Class act, hey. super, just, just a really good dude. Carey Price is the last goalie to actually win the Hart Trophy, uh, which Vasilevsky probably, arguably, should have been considered for. Definitely more of a consideration than finishing, you know, as he far got a, down as he, he got did. a few votes. Um, he yeah. so the interesting thing about him is he doesn't win Vesna, but he finishes like I think he finished seventh in the Hart, and no other goaltender was even in the top like fifteen, so or, or top ten. Just when they displayed the votes, he would they he was the only one in the on the list. To, to so me, it's he, a little bit. It's a little bit crazy how how few goalies win the MVP award when it's like when a goalie's in the game, they're in it for sixty minutes. You know what I mean? Like for the most part, they're they're spending so much time on the ice, and they're they have the most impact on any single game that they play. You know what I mean? Like, and they don't like Vasilevsky is clearly the Lightning's MVP, and for him not to be the best player in the league and MVP in the league, that that. To me, that's it's a little surprising that but like nobody is, gives him enough so, credit. So, but, but there is a goalie <clears throat> award and an MVP, right? So that yeah. I, you know, I've, I've always thought yeah. that's a little bit, you know, it, for me, it's kind of like with baseball. You know, there's a Cy Young and then there's also an MVP. Um, it was somewhat controversial when um, when Verlander won the MVP because you know, in that case, they do kind of have a separate award. Um, and I think this year, they, what are they? They awarded it to an Edmonton Oilers guy, right? The, the actual McDavid. Yeah. So um, I, I'm kind of back and forth on that. You know, goalies do win that, but it, should they even be eligible if there's a separate award? Is is there an award just for like offensive players? There's an award you know for best defenseman. There's a then there's a, awards for you know most points in the league and some other various different awards and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, defensive forwards but, stuff. Not just a pure <laughs> necessarily skater uh, alone. Right. But I think I, I think the the analogy to pitchers is really good too because they don't play every game. There's a yeah. backup goalie who plays who who spells them. They don't play every game. You know, it's easier yeah. to give it to a skater who plays all 82. Vasi um, won 40 games this year. But it's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting too, though, because <laughs> this might be a year where a pitcher does win the MVP. 
Uh, right. I like DeGrom. Jacob for DeGrom. Side. Yeah, DeGrom is fucking unbelievable. And Marcus, you know, you mentioned the, the shortened seasons. I, in my opinion, this is how it should be. Who gives a fuck about, you know, like like this, this additional 30 games in the regular season? The, the seeding is going to play itself. The only thing that matters in hockey is the playoffs. It, it bothers me about the sport, quite frankly. You allow in more than half the teams. I mean, in the end, it's the tournament that determines it. Shortened season or, or not, it's, it is it is funny, you know, the little holes that people try to poke in this. And then, of course, there's the obvious thing that everybody's playing a shortened season. So, yeah, it's it, it's so funny what 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 fans will do to try and take away from a from a championship. And I love it, dude. Yeah. Can I, if, if you're a Canadian fan, you're listening to this right now, please. Hold this deep inside Uranus for as long as you possibly can. It's going to be a long, long time, folks, until you win one. Uh, what? The, the, what are they? The, the Maple Leafs? They haven't won one since the fucking 60s. Uh, the, the Canadians. Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs have not won a Stanley Cup championship since 1967, which was the first year there was more than six teams in the league. They literally have not won a championship with more than six teams in the league. And I heard their fans talk the most shit. So they truly are the Cowboys fans. I, I got called out because, you know, I'm a fair weather <laughs> hockey fan. I got called out for my uh, fake tweet. They're like, oh, no, looking. This is a, Toronto Maple Leafs are the Cowboys. Well, I actually disagree. I looked it up. The Canadians at least were relevant in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, I think Toronto's more like the Steelers. They haven't really. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, the Toronto, Toronto's more like the Browns. Even they haven't been relevant yeah, since like, the fucking sixties. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, they're their yeah. own thing. They, the media is terrible there. It's 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 hilarious. Yeah. Uh, one one point of note in terms of uh, the NHL. So you said only half the teams make the playoffs, or more than half the teams make the playoffs. Starting next year, it will be exactly half, as we're yep. adding a thirty-second team, yep. uh, the Seattle Kraken, and we'll have more on that for you coming up with the uh, expansion draft and stuff like that. Um, and then one other point of note, the NHL all-star game will be played in Vegas next year. Who's excited. <laughs> so, like, I'm no- so I'm so torn on this. My first reaction is like every all-star game for every sport <laughs> should be played in Vegas. Absolutely. And, and, but then my second feeling is like, Oh man, I had a lot of fun at the all-star game in Tampa and I would love to do that one more time. Uh, <laughs> so selfishly, I feel bad saying that, but I mean, at, at least while these, these stadiums are new, um, both football and hockey, like, you know, let, let's go there every couple of years. Sure. So I, I, I have a funny story about the state of hockey in Miami. So as you guys know, I'm, I'm out, I'm out on the road again, uh, finally, and I'm down in Miami. So last night, you know, I don't want to just fucking watch the lightning game, like cramped up in my hotel room last night. So I go out, I look up a restaurant on Yelp. It's the Marlin bar. Don't see anything else about it. I go and I actually walked. And I find out it's the fucking bar connected to Tommy Bahama, the douchiest clothing store on earth. Well, I'm pot committed. I walked a full mile to get, I, I'm pot committed at this point. I'm like, shit. Um, I'm wearing a lightning shirt. I walked a mile to get to this place. I'm like, fuck, I got to do this. It was this guy playing guitar. And he is like one of these like really douchey like guitar players. Like, hey, I don't remember what he was singing when I walked up. And I'm like, oh my God. I look over at the bar and there's this guy that's like way too into it. He's like, yeah. he's like <laughs> jiving to it. He's wearing, funny enough, the most obvious like Tommy Bahama shirt like you've ever seen in your life. And, Way off rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and as as I'm walking up, I sit down at the bar. And I'm like observing this guy and he's just like way too into this guitarist. 
And he and uh, the guy goes, "All right, man, I'm shutting it down for the night." It's like I'm either gonna play some Beatles or I'm gonna play some smooth. And the guy, the guy that's like jamming out in the bar, he goes, "You cannot go wrong with some Rob Thomas." <laughs> and the guy, <laughs> the guy, the guy immediately, so he just starts. He goes, "Yeah, fuck yeah, man! Oh yeah!" They're like they're like talking back and forth. He starts playing this pretty douchey rendition of Rob Thomas Smooth, which. And it's it, it, it's like a meme, like the, the joke about the success of the 90s hit Smooth by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana is or what, like what what is. year are we in this? Somebody at the bar is getting fucking hyped about Rob Thomas. Oh, dude, he, he was like a 45 <laughs> year old dude. So this was right in his prime when Smooth, you know, this is when this guy was fucking in his 20s. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So he plays it. Oh, my God, dude, this guy's grooving out to it so fucking hard. Well, anyways. Skip past. He he ends his set and he goes. He goes. All right, everyone. I'm getting out of here. May the force be with you. And I'm just like <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sitting at the bar at a Tommy Bahama fucking bar. Like I, I, you can literally look over in the entrance. You can see like the douchey Tommy Bahama shirts like hanging there. And I'm like, uh, they're like, do you, do you want to eat, sir? And I'm like, uh, I guess I'll have the fish tacos. They have the Marlins. <laughs> they have the Marlins game on the TV. And I'm like, hey, you gonna play the Lightning game? And they're like. Oh no, the Marlins game's on. They're playing the Dodgers. And at that exact moment, the Dodgers go up like five to two. I'm like, no. I was like, you gotta change it to the fucking lightning game. And like I had to like argue with these people. Like, nobody wanted to watch the Stanley Cup down in fucking Miami. Like, I was like, it's a four to team. Like, come on, we gotta watch the they finally change it. I'm like, dude, the Marlins are gonna come back. They aren't they aren't gonna fucking win this game. Well, I actually looked it up this morning. Jose Aguilar <laughs> the ninth. actually beat yeah. the Dodgers last night. And I had to like rally an entire bar to like, come on, guys, it's fucking lightning. We gotta watch this game. It's too bad uh, you weren't wearing your Dodgers jersey under your lightning jersey for that one. <laughs> embarrassing. Like how how ridiculous is that? You go to a bar, the fucking likely the final game of Stanley Cup is on, and I can't even convince that says a lot about the state of hockey right now. I'll tell you that. Well, well, it's yeah, super I, interesting because, like, not only—I mean, definitely the state of hockey—but uh, like they get like fourteen people to a Marlins game. Like, who's really that excited about a Marlins game? Oh, yeah. dude, and they, they kept showing the 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 stands, and there's nobody there. It's the fucking Dodgers are there. They're like the they're like the hot, one of the hottest teams of baseball right now, and nobody's fucking there. So such a such, such a grift. <laughs> get in the fucking taxpayers to chip in oh. a four billion dollar stadium, and nineteen people go. We yeah, talked I, about I, that last week with Pete. Yeah, I think my um, uh, my my favorite thing about that is a hundred percent. You know that someone went back to the to the Marlin last night for dinner, looking for you, just to be like, "Hey, asshole, the Marlins won, <laughs> and we and we didn't get to watch it." It was called the Marlin Bar too. No, no association with the Marlins because who would want to yeah. be associated with that, right? <clears throat> so, shall we switch to baseball? We mentioned uh, Jacob Degrom being an MVP candidate, did you see that he finished with the lowest ERA ever through June? 0.69. Yes. Who's he dating right now? I don't know, but I'm sure he's doing very well for himself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, New York City, yeah. We had our first injection for substances. Uh, Did you see the Hector Santiago thing? Uh, And do you guys think this is going to, we're going to see a lot of this or no? So now I'm super curious because we haven't even have we seen an, an official review? Like I know the league's supposed to take the the Testing. glove and go test it. Like like how long? Like what's the process that how long does it take to get a fucking test back? Right. Yeah. So th- this was really controversial because they said it was he was wearing sunscreen, 
on his arm and the rosin uh it was they, they threw him out because it was sticky so they didn't actually know what the substance was they just oh it's sticky we're gonna toss you um which is a little bit to me in terms of process is fishy this the you're whole gonna have, thing is you're gonna so give you're gonna give an umpire that much like subjectivity uh it's re- kind of ridiculous but supposedly it's like he was wearing sunscreen on his arm which you're allowed to do because there's you know right. you're playing in the sun and right. <clears throat> sunscreen mixed with rosin it gives that tackiness and it's like it was on the glove it wasn't even on the ball so this is why I think it's this is why I think it's insane that they're they're outlining that is because if two substances are independently legal mm-hmm. and they are bound to cross contaminate, but then the the combination of them is illegal. Like that's just, it just makes the whole thing makes no sense. Yeah. And they're talking about stickiness. Okay, what's the bar? What's too right. sticky? Yeah, exactly. If, well, I, if I go to you, what's what's too sticky? Like you don't. So there's no way to prove that. <laughs> Pretty soon they're gonna have like one of those uh, empty vials with like the chemicals in it. They're gonna swab them, you know, throw it in there to see if it tests for the substances. Like you know, I had a buddy one time get uh, he was detained at the air- airport in Punta Cana because uh, his, his hands uh, had a positive test for cocaine residue, I guess. But uh, that's what they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna yeah, have to. The best part is like there's like I think there's like 15 different things that you use in your everyday life that would that hit those roadside tests for cocaine. Like yeah. those things are are like notoriously not accurate. Yeah. yeah. So I just looked up the Grom's girl. I, I hate to cut into your serious <laughs> baseball conversation, but I just looked up the Grom's <laughs> girlfriend, and uh, it's supposed to be a high school sweetheart. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Google it for yourself. Um, give me your reactions, but you know, she's hot, but it's like, who cares? You know, like she's, this is definitely not a, you know, post on the best pitcher in baseball girlfriend. This is like a, you know, like a Brittany Matthews situation going on here. Yeah. She definitely doesn't have a blue check next to her, uh, Twitter. Yeah. And Brittany Matthews, you know, so anyways, I, I can also tell you, I've, I just scrolled through like 25 pictures and she looks like six different people. She kind of she reminds does. me of Courtney. Court, she reminds me of, uh, of Court in a few of those photos. Yeah, I keep scrolling through. I'm like, this is not the same person, but it is. Yeah. Yep. That's so, amazing. anyways, um, maybe you know. <clears throat> but I mean, is that our fault? He went to college down here. He went to Stetson. Yeah, he went to Stetson. Is, that, is, it, is this our fault? <laughs> he went to Stetson. Really? His only his only homer. He was, he was a. I, he, I watched him. Actually, I watched him play uh at stetson a couple yeah. times he, he, he was a shortstop at stetson mm-hmm. and he hit one career home run do you know who it was off of no chris sale his only mm-hmm. homer at stetson was off of chris sale that's pretty cool nice. yeah yeah so it, it, if, if you're listening right now google Degrom's girlfriend and comment on us let, let us know what you think but i'm a, yeah i'm a little disappointed she's fine yeah. um, she's great I'm sure she's a uh, nice person. Yeah, she she yeah. looks like she's got a great personality. We shouldn't. We're not judging face. <laughs> oh man, she, she's a beast. Getting, bait, getting back on for track sure. here. Uh, yeah, I'm already, I'm sitting here like oh boy. She's probably got a really <laughs> strong personality. Albert um, Albert anyways. Pujols became the fourth player ever to reach six thousand total bases, joining Hank Aaron, Sam Usual, and Willie Mays. So congrats to Albert Pujols. Uh, Super first impressive Hall for a 45 year old, right? Yeah. So. First ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, say what you will about the guy; he's definitely tailed off as a you know the latter half of his career, but he's still you know still really productive um, in some of the aspects of baseball. 
So I think without some of the injuries that he had, this guy could be staring at, you know, breaking a lot of more records. Well, so it is interesting. When he, when he first joined the, the Dodgers, he went from a barely over Mendoza, you know, hitting just over 600 OPS player to he was actually hitting in the 800s for his first like three weeks with the Dodgers. I see he's dipped down to like 752. But if you're the 750, at least you're contributing. I mean, with the Angels, last three seasons, he's been a 600 OPS player. I mean, a replaceable player. At least, you know, if you're in the mid-700s, at least you're contributing. You know what I'm saying? And his slug is it's definitely up, four, 455. So yeah, um, what does that say about the Angels? Well, according to him, he didn't want to – he was like, I don't need to be an everyday player anymore, and they still wanted to make him an everyday player. Like, they're they're – He's getting better matchups. They're platooning him a little bit more. The Dodgers are so fucking deep um, that you know they're they're picking the spots to use him. And and he says he's having the most fun he's had in a long time. Yeah, yeah it's probably. I mean, probably, it's much more fun He's got to be an everyday player when they're paying him that money. That's, that's what I was just gonna I, say. Yeah, yeah, I don't care what you want. You're still under that contract. Yeah, there's the pressure living up to that contract, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but he's he still had one of like the best runs I think we'll ever see. Like, he his, had, like his ten year uh, prime is is one of the best yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny because he's literally only had one year with the Angels where he hit over eight hundred OPS, which is so <laughs> so horrible. Uh, but I mean, he's likely forty seven years old. So for a forty seven year old hitting in the mid seven hundreds, I mean, he's playing pretty and pretty fucking good. If you lo- if you look at his career timeline and add three years to the age of it, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Straight up. <clears throat> so, m- moving from one Hall of Famer to uh, one potential Hall of Famer here in it's Shohei Otani. Segway. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> so Shohei Otani is absolutely ridiculous right now. He hit. He's already hit 32 home runs uh, at the big league in the big leagues this season, which is the most ever by a Japanese player in a single season. And he's we're at the halfway point. That's ridiculous. Uh, Hideki Matsui previously held the record, former New York Yankee. Yeah, it, um, it's it's it's. I haven't followed baseball as much as I used to when I was younger, but I'm I'm always trying to read up on what this guy's doing. Like he's so exciting for baseball for me. Um, obviously, two way player, all star on both sides. Like this is like something so cool to like just watch. Uh, this, like growing up as a kid, this is kind of like we had always you know, playing baseball what you wanted to do pitch and hit in the bigs, you know? Well, Joe Madden had like, a really good quote on it the other day. Um, he basically said, you know, when, when you're growing up and you're, you're coming up through baseball, you know, I'm a baseball lifer. You always romanticize like what would have been like to play with Babe Ruth. And, and now people are getting to do it. Yeah. He, uh, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot on him. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to touch on the Derby, but I mean, even trout trout's like, now, this guy's got the most power out of anyone. I guess he's almost hit balls, like, out of course field where the derby is. And, like, straight up. So, um, um, I was reading that they uh, they have a humidor in course field, which I didn't know. To mm-hmm. uh, They kind of balance out the humidity <clears throat> levels, which they're turning off for the derby because balls don't travel far enough at course field as is. Um, but hearing about how much power this guy has, I, I, straight up, I haven't been like this excited for a derby since like the Maguire Sosa like era. Like I'm pumped yeah. to see what he can do. Can I, I mean, say something real quick about yeah. Otani? So they're, 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 one of the funniest mean or uh, tweets I think I've ever seen in my life was this year. And it's so fucking true, which is, it's kind of, it just speaks to the ineptitude of the angels organization. And it was basically like every, every morning you wake up and you'll see a headline and it'll be like, uh, 
Otani does blah 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 for the first time since 1958 when blah when shoestring O'Neill like blah 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 and it, it was like and then and then also Mike Trout hit three home runs which has never been done you know in the in the seventh inning since blah 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 and uh, the Angels lose nine to three. <laughs> it's so fucking true, which is that they have these two phenoms on their team, uh, Otani and Trout. Trout is, uh, from what I understand, is is st- still being Trout. And yet, the Angels are only two games above 500, are fourth in their division. Like, what is wrong with this team? We just talked about Pujols. Like, this team is an, an embarrassment. They, they have so... They, they have, they have no, depth. no depth, pitching. no pitching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they've not really run that organization very well over the last three decades, essentially. So, yeah. There was a point in time, I think it was like, it was like two or three weeks ago, back when, you know, the trout injury was still pretty recent. And their top three contributors, Otani, Trout, and Jared Walsh, were responsible for 85% of their wins above replacement. Yeah. Like, you're getting everything out of three guys. <laughs> they're both. They're both. They have one good reliever in Rice Elliott, essentially, and then uh, Otani when he pitches, and then the rest of their pitching staff's not that good. They, uh, I mean, there's nobody else on their team that even Rendon's having an awful season. Um, so yeah, it's it's struggle out there. Uh, maybe we'll, when Trout gets back after the All Star game and stuff, they can turn around and find a way to make it into contention for a wild card or something, but. Is uh is Trout gonna be like uh, baseball's Dan Marino, like one of the absolute best of all time to never sniff a championship? And, oh, yeah. I, and, I, and obviously he's not gonna get the blame like you know Marino. You know the, the, it's not as much hate in baseball because it you know takes a lot of pieces. But man, that's one guy that like he deserves he deserves well, to win a championship. I, I like your word usage of the of the word sniff, uh, considering Dan Marino and what we know about him. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Trout's a little bit cleaner than, than Marino, but, you know, we, we all know Marino. He liked the powder. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, good, good, good choice for Miami. Like, oh, this wait, you're telling me this guy has cocaine issues? Let's bring this guy to Miami. <laughs> yeah. South Beach is where he needs to be. Um, so, who do you like outside of Otani for the Derby? Uh, looking at these odds here, we got Gallo, Alonzo, Soto, Story, Olsen, and Mancini, and Salvador, or Sal Perez there. <clears throat> based on the I mean, odds or who do you like to win it just period i just i mean i I'm, I'm excited that soto's in it soto's one of my favorite players but i just he's not like a big home run swing guy he sling, swings on much like flatter plane um i i obviously otani hands down the favorite should be the favorite i like mancini as kind of a dark horse there uh and then joey gallo just just hits fucking yeah. nukes Mancini's a really good story because he came back from, you know, having the colon cancer and all that stuff. Um, so that, that's part of the, the real great story there. Trevor Story is the Colorado Rocky who's in this tournament. The problem with, did you see what they're doing in terms of the, how they're setting up the Derby this year? They're going to have the number one seed is Otani because he has the most home runs. And then he's going to match up with the guy who has the least home runs through this point in the season, which is actually Soto. And then they're going to have a bracket kind of style uh, advancement. The guy I like in terms of just looking at if I'm gambling on this is Matt Olson at plus 750. Um, he has a really sweet swing. When he gets into a groove, he can absolutely just continue to crush the ball. It's so easy. Um, so I think that plus 750 is th- that's pretty good odds there. And uh, I like I think that that's going to be the p- my pick. And based on that, 
I just want to see one home run, either leave the stadium or clear 600 feet. That's all I'm asking. It's, it's I mean, I guess it's Joey, Gallo, Joey Gallo hit two balls over 440 yesterday. So six, not four. I, I want know. fuck. I I'm want saying, moon shots. Cork yeah, those bitches that, up. That wasn't that wasn't in cores. <laughs> so we could cores in Colorado without the humidor. Let's see how far those balls can fly now. Yeah, I, I wanted. I want someone to hit the ball so fucking far that the stadium literally goes silent for three seconds before it erupts with like applause. Man, that's what that's what I want. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, everyone likes the kicks the long ball, so uh, that's uh, this could this could definitely be one of the funner derbies that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean Joe Gallo is one. Of my, I, I just I love him when he's going hot. Like he's he's as good as anybody, and he's right now he's really hot. He's hit ten home runs his last ten games. Uh, this is a guy who got who hit his one hundredth professional home run before he hit his one hundredth professional single. Another great stat. Uh, that, that, that's one of those stats you get to log in your your mind. You know, right right around the Larry Fitzgerald stat, where Larry Fitzgerald that has more recorded tackles than he has drops. Uh, it's one of those insane just sports stats. Like you've just got to give it up for stats like that. It's, it's incredible. It's also kind of a knock, but it's you know what I'm saying. Like I don't know. It's it's it's, it's it, what a what an interesting player. He's now I think he's like one. He's like I think plus thirteen singles over home runs. So. He's, he's, he's actually hitting for a little bit of an average right now. It's the worst. Well, it's because of the, it's because of the, the sticky stuff that now they're now they're not allowed to use the sticky stuff. All of a sudden, he's mashing more homers. So it's only a matter of time before the homers it could come back. back up. It could come yeah, back. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before the, the homers catch back up. I think. Yep. Um, what sticky stuff are we talking about here? So <laughs> making it stuff. illegal for the pitchers to use the yeah. Oh, I thought we were still talking about the Grom. No. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought we were talking no. about Marino. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's jump into our AFC uh, East divisional preview. Kick it off. Yeah. Well, so uh, Newman, I didn't even know we were doing this today, but I love that we're starting out with the AFC East, particularly so we can kind of like throw some shade towards Derek, um, <laughs> because. Hey, these are our years, right? We we got what? What what do we say? How many years are the Patriots going to be down? Two, three years? We got to take it while we can because we know Bill Belichick is in the process of building a powerhouse, uh, and we'll fucking see where we're at with that this year. But last year, I think when we talked about this, the Patriots were still the favorite, were they not? Yeah, they uh, were. yeah, yes, I believe they were. They were. So that just shows you, you know, the kind of the trust in Vegas and, and Bill Belichick. And then obviously the Patriots have this insane offseason. Miami misses with the 10-win season. The Buffalo Bills absolutely blow up last year. The Jets go out and get their Mormon girly quarterback. Uh, this this could be a really, really interesting division this year. Uh, we said the same thing last year, but it's even more interesting this year, especially, you know, given what the Patriots have done. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this division? Um, I, I think it's going to be, for me, this is like a, a middle, and obviously middle of the road when you talk about most exciting divisions. Uh, I think some of the, the NFC divisions are going to be very fun to watch. Um, I, I still think 13 is going to be um, the, the high, maybe not even the highest out of anybody this season. Um, I, I'm not sure if Bill's going to take it again. Uh, I'm so high on Miami this year. Uh, I still like what the Jets are doing. Um, you know, Bill Belichick, I'm sure he's going to find some new loopholes to, uh, 
keep New England in a few more games. But, you know, I think a lot of people forget um, what they were missing on defense last year. Um, so, many, so many guys – there. how many people opted out last season? Uh, eight defensive starters yeah. out of 11. Yeah, that, that's – By that's far a, the most. That's, that's insane. That's, that's almost – your entire starting defense, basically. <laughs> and, and a couple uh, part of the plan. offensive linemen, right? Yeah, a couple offensive linemen. Uh, obviously, Shaq Mason, cancer survivor, wasn't taking any chances. Yeah, yeah and uh, uh, Hightower, you know, he's he's one he, of the most he's important an, defensive players in, in the league. To his he's, he's he's unbelievably good, and uh, he's also one of these guys that he, I think he's kind of a dark horse for comeback player of the year. I, I saw I saw him on the you know the tracker. He's one of the lowest odds for comeback player of the year. He'd be a good guy to just throw like twenty bucks out for you know like a winger because you'd win a bunch of money on him. He, he's one of the lowest odds favorites, but. He could just bust out this year if, if that Patriots defense comes around. Yeah, so yeah I, I, I think actually the, um, there's a couple linebackers. Um, it's actually an interesting award. Uh, Mo, oh, what's his face? Uh, Moses. So um, for the Jets, he came over from um, Mosley. Yeah, Mosley. Mosley is another guy that could be in contention. Great, great player. Yeah. Literally hasn't done shit with the Jets. Got hurt his first season, and then obviously mm-hmm. with he was another opt out last season. Uh, it's another interesting piece. But sometimes it's 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 a lot to come back from missing missing that much football. So let's just build a baseline here. So here's what Vegas thinks, and I'm just going to quote one specific um, you know sports book, which is one of the most you know uh, famous sports book out there, which is uh, MGM. Uh, so this is what Vegas thinks. They have the Buffalo Bills at number one, which if you're a Bills fan, you got to fucking love this. They're finally giving the Bills the love uh, at minus one fifty. Uh, then they got the Miami Dolphins at number two, which I think is is really that's that, that's saying something. I, I think it's saying obviously the Bills are going to be number one. The fact that almost every Vegas odds book is putting the Dolphins ahead of the Patriots that's a huge shift in the climate in the NFL for me. And they're so they're second at plus three twenty five. Then you got the Patriots at plus three fifty. And then Newman's boys, or sometimes boys, at plus 2,000. Nobody really thinks anything of the Jets this year. Uh, anybody disagree with the, the ranking as it sits? I don't really think the ranking matters a lot. I think it's a three-team race, and I think they're all very, very close. Um, I, I think you know an injury or two, a, a team gets a hot hand. Like I think it's very close. Um the only thing that I mean, it does surprise me a little bit to see Miami ahead of New England, just because the one knock you look at New England on paper, they're a really good roster. Big question mark at quarterback. Mm-hmm, uh, totally. I think Miami's the same situation. I haven't seen anything Definitely. from Tua. I haven't seen anything from Tua where I'm like, oh man, that's the guy. One hundred percent. I think Miami's Tua is is to me biggest, maybe most important piece in the entire division in terms of deciding what's going to happen. Because uh, if he plays well, or if he manages to play well, that roster is built really well, um, and I think that they'll they'll be able to make up, do a lot of damage. But if he is you know is not that good, then they're screwed. And I, mean, I think the, the difference is too is like you look <clears> at these <throat> rosters. I mean, they take Jalen Waddle in the first. They have mm-hmm. Parker. They have Fuller when he comes back from suspension. They have Gasecki who can't block anything. Like this is a team that's going to need to throw the ball to be successful. You look at New England. They're going to run eleven and twelve personnel, and a lot of twenty-two. Even like, I mean, they went out and got two tight ends. Like, I don't. I think they're going to take the ball out of the quarterback's hand as much as they can. Uh, 
Uh, I don't think it's going to be Cam Newton. I think it'll be Mac Jones just managing the game. And for that reason, I think you're 100% right. I think Tua is going to really decide the way this thing goes. And then does Josh Allen take another step forward or does he take a step backwards? If he takes a step backwards, the Bills are done. So I think he can regress a little bit and them not be done. It's just he can only regress a little bit, right? Like he was an MVP caliber player last year. So if he performs at maybe just a Pro Bowl level and not an MVP level, then I think the Bills are still in, still have a good chance to win the division. But if he does regress a lot, then obviously that's going to kill their chances. Um, the Bills kind of didn't do a whole lot in terms of free agency. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders, and then they drafted a couple pass rushers. Drafting pass rushers and expecting them to con- contribute right away is not a great philosophy. Um, those guys will be able to help a little bit as the season progresses, but I don't know that that's going to really solve their issues on defense. Um, in terms of the Jets, they actually did quite a bit to improve both their offensive and defensive lines, uh, drafting some players and, and signing, um, you know, Moses from Washington, uh, and then defensively, you know, went out there and, and, and addressed some stuff free agent with free agency wise with Rankins and and Carl Lawson and stuff. So, I mean, the Jets, I think the Jets are going to be feisty, but I still don't think that they're like Vegas. I see them at six wins. I'm, I don't think that that's they're going to be able to hit that mark even even at six wins. But I think I think the Jets are pretty interesting offensively in terms of fantasy. So. I, I I actually do. Th- I like the, I like the Jets at the five six win mark, which is mm-hmm. way better than like the two and a half expected wins a season. Um, but I, I was just kind of thinking, how many times do you think this season when Tua gets blasted, he's going to get up like fucking should have drafted Penny Sewell, man. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's going to come so often. Yeah. I mean, their offensive line's not awful, but it's, I mean, they, they, they have to scheme things for him uh, in order to make that work functionally. And we'll see how that hip is. So when, when I look over this division, uh, you know, I see obviously the Jets appropriately at the bottom. They have future XFL great Zach Wilson um, on their roster uh, who just, you know, he, he looks like he has all the tools to win six games for the Vipers uh, in the, in the <laughs> near future. I, I really I really think a lot about Obviously, I'm trolling you, Newman. I, 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 I'm weirdly high on Zach Wilson, but that that team is a dumpster fire, uh, and they're going to be really, really bad this year. But what the Patriots did this offseason, to me, it screams like compensation because all of a sudden, Bill Belichick is as is is more active than he's ever been in the offseason of his entire tenure with the Patriots. And he addressed literally every position he possibly could have addressed except for quarterback. Now, they draft Mac Jones, but in my opinion, Mac Jones, is, he, he's, he's, he's not going to be ready year one. He's, he, in, in other words, I, I do believe he will start this year. I, th- I think he starts by week four, like Max, because I, I think that little of Cam Newton. But I don't think he's going to be good enough to carry or – you know, facilitate wins for the Patriots, but everything that the Patriots have done, I think they've made great moves, but I think this is almost like speaking to the arrogance of Bill Belichick where, listen, if I'm ranking the best coaches in the NFL, Bill Belichick is still firmly at my number one, but I think he's going through kind of a transitionary period where he thinks he can address other spots on his roster rather than the most important spot which is obviously quarterback. 
Um, I think it would have been interesting if maybe, you know, the Patriots would have been a player for like, let's say Deshaun Watson. Obviously the, the, that ship has sailed with, with um, uh, drafting Mac Jones, but I don't know. I, I, I just think Bill Belichick's trying to get creative in every way, except for quarterback. And I think he thinks that he can win it this year in other ways, except for at quarterback. And I just don't think that that's the case. Um, I, 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 I I think they're appropriate at third here. Yeah, that it's I, I can't argue <clears> that. Um, for me, for me, I'm still gonna flip flop one and two with Miami and Buffalo. Um, I'm I'm rooting for uh, the uh, the Jets to play a little spoiler. Like, wouldn't that be like a nice early Christmas present for New England to finish last in the division? But <laughs> but but still rack out like like set six seven wins so they don't get like too high of a draft pick. Yeah, not not very likely. Um, I think a, a girl can dream. Are, I think the Bills are still the the division winner here. I have the Patriots finishing second, the Dolphins third, and then the Jets fourth. Um, do you guys want to talk some fantasy here? Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to get. I, I talked to Derek a little bit. I know we were going to touch on Stephon Gilmore, and I, I'm you and I talked about that a little bit. Um, obviously, Gilmore wants his new contract, um, but in. I'd, I'm going to be probably the one that disagrees with a lot of people on this whole thing. So he slated to make like what seven million this year, right? Marcus, Marcus is a you got what you get type no. of type of so, analyst with these yeah, situations. No, no. For for me, like obviously he's deserving of a contract, but I think it's reported poorly when it shows that he's only making seven million dollars. Um, you know, versus everyone else's contract. So I think that his contract that he just played out. It was roughly uh, what thir- thirteen or fifteen a year, Derek? Was that? Was yeah, that- yeah. So his his the average came out to about fifteen. And what they did is is last year they used some of their salary cap that wasn't being spent on all those guys opting out, um, and actually threw them a little bit more money last year. Restructured his deal a little bit and front loaded it. So it's a little. I mean, from a fan perspective, usually I'm all for you know player using the leverage they have. But in this situation, it's like they already kind of made good with him. Yeah, they gave him more money last year than was on his contract. Like this is now this is the year where you kind of pay it back. Um, now I get the frustration of not getting an extension. No player wants to go play on their last year and, and you know have next year be undecided. I completely get that. But what leverage does he really have? Thirty-one. He's thirty-one. He's on the backside of his career, uh, especially at the corner position. He might get one more two three year contract payday. Um, probably not going to happen in New England. He just doesn't have a lot of leverage here. And I don't think anybody's going to be beating down the door to give up a high round draft pick for him. So if you're New England, it's like, okay, this guy's on the books to play for $7 million. It's a good value for us. We're going to hold him to that contract and then figure out what we want to do next year. Yeah, yeah. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks playing at their the, the top of their game past 31. I mean, that, that that pretty much is the cutoff point that you can be a great quarterback. There's obviously been some exceptions over the years, but the, but Patriots, the, except, the exceptions are the, are the Blazers who lose a step. They're not right. the big physical lockdown guys, because once those guys lose a step, they can't cover anybody. Well, so ironically, one of the uh, weirdest, longest careers that nobody ever thought that would extend as long as it did was Terrence Newman, who played till he was like 39 who truly was like, I mean, he's one of the fastest quarterbacks to ever play. Um, but yeah, it, Dion it, played it, till he was like 38. Like, I mean, Blazers can, can do it. Like, I mean, yeah. look how, look how fast, uh, what was it? Browner washed I was, out. 
was, I was saying Daryl Green's another one. He was always fun. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Browner, even like guys. Yeah, he was. He just did nothing once he started getting older, except for go to prison. Yeah. But so my my question is, you didn't hear a lot of um, the Patriots over the years. They haven't had a lot of like holdout issues, and I almost wonder if this issue popping up when it is. And like you said, you know, it's it's kind of misconstrued and, and the media is kind of reporting it in a wrong way. Whereas like, you know, they're saying, oh, he's, he's not one of the top 10 corners paid. Well, if you look at the way that they paid him last year, he actually is. If you average yeah. out his contract. Um, I wonder if this is another collateral damage of them losing their second GM, Mr. Thomas Brady. It is. Because, Yeah. Because when when if if this guy at the top, your best player, your leader, is taking cuts, restructuring deals, like that sets the tone for the locker room. Where hey, everybody better fall in line. And it's the same thing. I mean, it's a kind of a local example. Back to hockey, but Stamkos did the same thing. Stamkos signed a a team friendly deal, nine million dollar deal, and that said, hey, everybody, like get in line. Like this is this is the max. Like you're not going to get ten million. You're not going to get eleven million. Like go fuck yourself. I signed for nine to be part of a winner. This is what we do here. And it's yep. the same thing with Brady. I mean, Brady leaves, and now we have contract issues. We have Nikhil Harry trying to force a trade. Yeah, that's he's, hilarious, he's, by the way. If you're Nikhil hilarious. Harry, so so you get drafted by New England, you're never going to have a good first year because rookie wide receivers in New England just don't. Your second year, you're tied to Cam Newton, who had a difficult time throwing the ball. They didn't have a lot of targets. Like, yeah, you weren't getting your reception. But it, why are you trying to force a trade right now? Like, so – the offense is looking better. You play worse so bad that you get cut. There, there's Here. some uh, there's some upside, and at least the team that you're on right now use a first round on you. So there's some investment for them to make you work. If you get traded right now with what you have on tape, that's a third or a fourth rounder. That team's gonna cut your ass immediately. So yeah. you're you're gonna love this. Uh, I I saw this because you know we we try to uh, infiltrate other teams' reddits. Well, we're we're a part of the Patriots Reddit, and maybe you got this notification. This is such a great. Point, which is uh, Nikhil Harry's trade request reminds me of the old story about the GM whose response to a player who said, play me or trade me was, we did play you, and now we can't trade you. The, <laughs> the, 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 the Patriots' inability to successfully draft at the wide receiver spot is mind-boggling. I love that post. It's it's so true. It's like, it's like play me or trade me. Well, you're bad. You're not a good player. What do you think we're going to get from you? Yeah. Like, I, like I, you're, I you're on your rookie contract. Like, what what are we going to get from you that's worth even trading you and taking that dead cap? Makes no sense. I think a lot of what makes young receivers successful is contrary to how New England's offense runs. It's it's you know a, a lot of times you get these young guys, exciting guys. They're the most athletic guy on the team. They create <laughs> for them. They force them the ball. Just New England just doesn't do that. They they throw to whoever's open, and it's very rarely your outside receiver. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was reading something on that because I I found that interesting because I know I know we were kind of mind blown when they took him a few years ago, but uh, uh, one of the one of the stats that came up um, was like out of uh, 101 receivers, he's ranked 100 in like how many routes he wins and gets open. Like he he can't get open. Yeah. It's like his age is so like bad. oh he, he's elite at the point of attack. I'm like. Yeah, awesome. In college, he was. But, like, in the NFL, there's fucking a DB all over him because he can't get any separation. So And he's not know, really that elite. He drops a bunch of jump balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, on the Nikhil, Nikhil Harry uh, AFC East topic, I do want to bring up a point because there are some Cam Newton purists who still believe in Cam Newton. 
And there are some cases to be made. And, and listen, the guy threw, what, five touchdowns, ten interceptions last year. It's it a fucking horrible season, like, statistically. But the Patriots' wide receiving core was atrocious. I mean, it, it was – I don't think you can even argue that it was the worst wide receiving core in the entire NFL last year. It was one of the worst wise. receiving cores I can remember in recent, like, memory. Yeah. Like, so I mean, is there anything I'm, to one of us could have snuck on the field for them. Is there anything to be said for that? They add two really, really, really good tight ends, possibly two t- top 10 tight end talents in the league. Um, this is what Bill Belichick loves. Uh, I've seen, speaking of this New England Reddit, I don't know why we get so, so many notifications, but I'm like weirdly involved in, in this Reddit and like New England's like moves. Some people have compared them to uh, one of the other great, you know, uh, tight end duos in New England, which was uh, Rob Gronkowski and uh, OJ Simpson, but um, they straight up, uh, it, it is a really, really good tight end duo. It's probably the best tight end duo they've had since Rob Gronkowski and maybe one of the most dynamic receivers that might still be hanging out there in your, in your fantasy league, Aaron Hernandez. I mean, is there anything to be said for this? Like could Cam, <laughs> could Cam Newton be that much better with a better receiving core this year. Don't forget Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, and Aguilar. Kendrick, and Kendrick mm-hmm. Bourne. They added those two players. Actually, uh, I mean, reports at a training camp from New England have Aguilar as performing quite well there. So Aguilar had a great, Aguilar had a great year guy. last year. Dude, he, he was fucking target, man. Take you out of Philly and see what you do. Aguilar yeah. had a great year last year in fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Ken- Kendrick Bourne's not that exciting, but I, I think, you know, obviously Cam's struggling with throwing the ball, but they're going to have to run it. They're going to have to be able to complete those those short intermediate passes to the tight ends to open it up uh, for those receivers. And so then, then you got to hope that then you got to hope that Cam can make that throw. You know, it doesn't play like Alex Smith or Lamar Jackson, but, um, you know, if, if he's able to throw it downfield, it opens up a lot. But I, I believe tough, Kendrick tough Bourne is supposed to be a very good blocker as a wide receiver. And so that's one of the reasons that new England signed him so that he can block and in the passing game so that they can uh, run the ball more. And uh, I mean, I really like Damian Harris there. I think that's a potentially really good fantasy pick there that you have sitting, sitting at the bottom there. We also mentioned Aguilar. Um, Damian Harris is really good. Yeah. They bring bring back James white. They're able to to retain him. Uh, From their former GM, who was trying to snag him down to Tampa, um, I think you're going to see a lot of running backs and a lot of tight ends on the field, and yeah. I think that they're going to be kind of creative. And I think what Cam Newton does well fits into the scheme. I could see them running, and I think I think McDaniel's doesn't get creative. Yeah, yeah. and, and I mean, let's be honest, it, it, that was a really damn good defense before everyone set out. So guess what? When you have a good defense, let's just. Ball control, try not to turn the ball over, um, you know, win a few battles, score a few points, and let the defense take take you all the way. This, I mean, this is a defense, too, the way they've, they've kind of constructed it. Josh Uche had a really good year last year. Uh, they bring in Matt Judon. This is this is a New England team that you're not going to want to go down two scores to because they're going to get after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. How much do you think Damian Harris and James White's uh, fantasy stock is hurt by the presence of Cam Newton vulturing r- rushing touchdowns at the goal line, though? Huge. In PPR, Huge. I think James White's still okay. Um, he but, didn't have a great year last year with with Cam at the helm. But uh, yeah, but I think there was some some 
kind of muddied water with with Sony Michelle. I think Sony Michelle is clearly not the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he. I don't think he really gets any consideration this year, because um, there's nothing that he does that Damian Harris doesn't do better. I think it's just. I think it's a lot of Harris and White. If yeah. if, I, if I could do a prop bet right now for the first play of the season for New England, I, I, to the T, they're going to be in a two tight end set, one receiver, almost like full eye formation, something tight. Play action pass deep to Aguilar, and I, I think that's going to be a, maybe a tone setter. But that's what I that's what I'm envisioning with them. Incomplete or intercepted, of course. But and, and another, <laughs> another thing too, you talk about vulturing. I don't know that we see Damian Harris down the goal line at all. Uh, they they drafted in the fourth round, Hundre R- 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 Stevens. I'm going to butcher that until I hear somebody or me say it. <laughs> Stevenson. Stevenson. More of a slight kind of receiving back he's the oklahoma he's, oklahoma, he, oklahoma guy right he's, yeah. he's a yes, he's he a thick boy he's six foot he's six foot 230 he's a he's a big boy so well, let me ask you a question so you know we're talking about the afc east uh name a division that has worse wide receivers in the afc east obviously the bills are loaded they're absolutely stacked at wide receiver uh they got I think Miami's loaded uh i don't i don't are I don't they their wide receivers uh are will they? Wolf Fuller is only going to be suspended one Come game. On. I think that's a big ad for them. I like Jalen Waddle a lot. Um, and then Preston Parker and Preston or um, Devontae, Devontae Parker. Parker and Preston Williams are kind of, they're both decent wide receivers. They're not like superstars, but they're middle round fantasy. How many teams. times can we be fooled on Preston Parker? I mean, seriously. But I will say that the the Jets and New England combined are bringing like Corey Davis to the table. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, so, the Jets in New England are so bad. Fantasy sleeper. I mean, uh, Jameson Crowder is a volume monster. Yeah, no, he, for sure. Fantasy. But um, if we're talking like we're talking like real like high end like division like it's a soft division. So, guy to keep an eye on is Elijah Moore for the Jets uh, from Ole Miss. Their second round draft pick. Um, he there's a lot to like about him um, in terms of productivity at Ole Miss, and uh, I think that he's a guy that could really blow up in terms of fantasy. Um, and it's a Newman a, Homer pick. Be a future, be a future star there. Uh, uh, hey, the hey Jets. Newman, hey, hey Newman, how much does Elijah Moore weigh? Uh, I don't know, like a buck. 85 probably that's generous <laughs> that's generous I, I think he's in the he might be in the like low 70s yeah i mean uh, I, how much does tyreek hill weigh he's not tyreek hill I'd, I'd, so what does that matter that's not weight's not a super relevant statistic for wide receivers um uh, yeah. any well, other look, fantasy fantasy guys that you like for yeah, sure so what, what let's talk about so uh one of my biggest misses outside of Russell Wilson over the last 20 years is Josh Allen. And, and dude, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that I, I, I come to terms. I actually just listened to our podcast just a year ago where we, where I talked about Josh Allen and I talked a lot of shit about Josh Allen and dude, you know what? I'll, I'll say it. I'm wrong about Josh Allen. Josh Allen did the things that he needed to do to become a better quarterback uh, if you've read anything about what he did last offseason, he had like computers analyze his um, mechanics. He did a bunch of things to correct himself. He did things that no other player really does. You know what I'm saying? Like when you hear a guy that's like, oh, he's using computers to analyze his mechanics and he's making changes, that almost never works out. Right. So 
my my knocks with Josh Allen have always been that I don't I didn't think he could make he could make the next step. The guy is phenomenal. He's a top five quarterback in this league. He's a ridiculous talent. Um, he's very Cam Newton like just in his athleticism and the way that he can play, but he can also still throw down the field like Cam Newton. He actually reminds me a lot of Cam Newton in his prime. Yeah. Um, so like I, I love I love Josh Allen. I think he is, you know, one of the great players uh projected in the future. And Newman, you actually said something earlier in the pod that I agree with. I think Josh Allen can regress this year and still be a great player. Because let's face it, I think he threw for 40 touchdowns last year. Dude, he had, he had a ridiculous year last year, and, and I think he can still regress and be a great player. Um, but I think his four at this point is probably like 35 passing touchdowns. I, I, I think he's that good. I, I genuinely don't remember. What, what did I say about him? I on I on the podcast, mean mean you were both uh, the only the mean you were both the most his biggest crit. I listen. You're a Patriots fan, so you always look down at the Bills. So that's what I I looked down at the Bills. I just I was surprised I was negative on him because I I I have a thing for I mean you know have for prototypical quarterbacks. The same reason I was in on Herbert. Like I just you know if you're six five and have a big arm, like I probably probably like you. Yeah, I get a chub. <laughs> um, I think we were both down more on the Bills than oh, we I'm were still on down. Josh I, Allen. I, I still like. I feel about the Bills the way that Marcus feels about the Browns. Like, I feel like yeah. no matter what, the the Bills will get in their own way somehow. Yeah, for real, the little brother. Um, well, I think one one name, uh, not in the Bills, but uh, I think a, maybe a sleeper-ish name who I think is gonna fucking explode. I'm really big on. It's gonna be Denzel Mims. Um, you know, I, he missed like half of the season last year. Uh, just a big, athletic, great talent. Um, and I think you have to put any player with the Jets just a notch up higher with Gase not being there. Uh, a, a young quarterback who's going to sling the ball and the defense is probably going to give up some points. Uh, you know, Newman was saying that the uh, Jets are going to have some interesting fantasy players. I think Denzel Mims is going to be one of those guys who is going to have, uh, you know, some some big, big games. Oh, it's nice of you to throw a Newman a little bum like that. Uh, I have one for the Dolphins that I wanted to touch on. Um, the only, basically the only running back that they brought in was Malcolm Brown. And I don't I don't know about you guys, but I'm not sold on Gaskin being the guy there for, for the Dolphins. So give me some Malcolm Brown um, as a late fantasy, you know, touchdown vulture, whatever, potentially taking over that role at some point. Let me ask you this. Why, why aren't you sold on Gaskin? He's not explosive for one. Um, Malcolm Brown's better metrics in that in that regard. Um, and I don't know, just there's nothing about Gaskin, Miles Gaskins that I look at. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely the guy that I want to be my running back one. I just like I'm I'm still trying to reconcile like the sentence. I don't like Gaskins, but man, Michael Brown gets me excited. That's that's what I'm trying to Malcolm Brown. <laughs> trying to wrap around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that there's there's oppor- there's plenty of opportunity there for somebody to take that role, and they've they've tried to pay Malcolm Brown in the past, and they finally successfully got him on their roster. So they must see something they like in him. Yes, well, but G- Gaskin, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I the biggest advocate for Gaskins, and you you'll never see me throw a lot of bones towards Dubich, but he was he was one of his biggest advocates last year, and he did he he. 
he had a good season. Um, I do think Miami's going to be better. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Never mind. It's I hate him now. Yeah. yeah. Why? <laughs> that I like him? I know. It's it's hard to reconcile those two. I'm like, uh, Gaskin looked good, but Dubich likes him. Ah. I mean, he did have four yards of carry, which I mean, I know it's a small sample size, but I don't, I don't know. I, I just there's enough weapons there. I don't know that any guy has to be you know the guy, but man, Malcolm Brown, like I feel like they they were begging him to like fight for that position and that spot, and he just never took it. Derek, just so you know, the right, as of right now, New England is carrying seven running backs and twelve receivers on the roster. <laughs> and, I love it. Sounds about right. I absolutely love that. Uh, that's insane. And the best part is, like, so, so many of them are, like, not really receivers. Like, Gunnar or, Lef- or Oshesky, like, that, he lined up as what? a receiver, like, five times. What a stud punt returner, by the way. I don't I don't think Matt Slater has lined up a receiver in, like, fucking five years. So, I'm interested. <laughs> I'm really curious about the, the, the Gaskin comments out of Newman. I, I don't – I actually don't even know where that's coming from. Um, I just pulled some rankings – I pulled up two different rankings, and David Montgomery is is ranked ahead of Gaskin in both rankings, but barely. In one of the rankings, he's he's literally just ahead of him. So what 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 are you what are we missing here? I mean, do you think that he's explosive? Do you think that no, he's I, like that impressive? I, like, I mean, I think he had a, a really really good rookie season. Really good rookie season. Yeah, but how much of that is based on just the fact that there was nobody else there and he just got all the opportunity? There still isn't. So, uh, Marcus, well, I, I, I do want to note that is, the rankings that I just pulled Malcolm Brown, too. Marcus, the ranking that I just pulled up, uh, Josh Jacobs is ranked behind Miles Gaskin. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I'm so happy he's not going to be on my team. I th- actually, I think uh, I'm still regretting. Uh, I know Goose and I were so high on Cam Akers in his rookie season, and uh, I snagged him pretty much earlier than we had discussed in uh, in OG, and then he got him a keeper even a round earlier. Man, I wish I would have had Akers in that third round of keeper. What a so stud New- he is. N- Newman, who are you taking, Damian Harris or Gaskin? You're on the clock. Damian Harris. No Interesting. Question. So Damian Harris is ranked significantly further down than Gaskin. Gaskin's a no-brainer in, the, in, in that in that, in that I, I think debate. so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's the starter. Malcolm Brown's going to vulture some, but there's a seven running backs on the roster plus Cam Newton. Gaskin and, also doesn't play for the Patriots. Who, yeah, catches why the would ball. you ever draft a quarter or running back I, for the I, Patriots? I, I, like, I like Gaskin. You're, you know, you're talking about a normal workload through a whole season. You know, he was on pace, I think. It'd be roughly like almost 1,200 yards and six touchdowns, six, seven touchdowns. It's pretty impressive as a rookie. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. I, Newman, I'm, I'm really trying to dissect this. I don't. I don't understand the the Gaskin hate. I'm sorry. Uh, he, he, I'm sorry. He was a second year player last year. I, I apologize. He was a second year player. It, 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 it's more just about the talent of the player, right? So, yep. Cool. But towards the end of last season, he definitely kind of emerged as, as the uh, Dolphins <laughs> starter. So, I, I don't know. I, I thought for a while he was going to help me not be unicorn, but uh, it, it was unavoidable. All right. So, <laughs> from a fantasy perspective, we need to talk about a player that is – I mean, if you drafted him last year, you probably won your fantasy league, which is Stephon Diggs. Um, let's talk about Stephon Diggs. 
Uh, is this a guy that you're targeting as a top three wide receiver that he played last year? No. And I'm, I have, no. Yeah. I have a hard time at three. I, I, I think five. Okay. Sure. Yeah. There, something was like, I, I, I don't know what to call it, but I don't know if there was like sleepovers and like they're eating popcorn and doing like mud math or what, but like the mm-hmm. two, but Allen and, and Diggs just like, they were they insane. Like the, from the first second, they were just in sync. It clicked. As as wrong as you were about Josh Allen, I was about Stephon Diggs, and I doubled Me down too. on Stephon Diggs. I think around week five or six. There's no way in hell he keeps it up all year long. And uh, eh, you know what? <laughs> I don't blame you though. I mean, that's back when you're running high on are the Steelers and go undefeated talk. Like you I mean you were you're just not in your right mind. <laughs> yeah. I uh, undefeated is a stretch, but um, I just love the whole time. Like Steelers fans are losing their fucking mind, and I'm just sitting here, I'm like, it's coming, it's coming, it's Listen, coming, guys. And it amazing. came fucking hard. <laughs> it came so fucking hard. The reality hit hard for Steelers fans last year, and you know, I, I almost feel like we're cheating on Dubich to be doing some of these talks without Dubich on here. But uh, guys, Stephon Diggs. He, here's the facts about Stephon Diggs from a Vikings fan. This is a guy that did not hit a thousand yards until his fourth season. Somehow, up until these, up until that year, he was talked about as this great player. He really has a great talent. Um, he gets. I, I I I don't know how to put into words my thoughts on Stephon Diggs, other than that he's only had three thousand yard seasons in his career obviously last year with a 1500 yard season but prior to that his biggest season of his entire career was 1130 was 1130 now you can say Kirk Cousins whatever you want to say about that Kirk Cousins just took on a rookie last year Justin Jefferson who broke the rookie record and almost had as many yards last year as Stephon Diggs so all I'm saying is I love Stephon Diggs. I have a signed photograph of him in my office. I love the guy so much, but I think he's overrated. And I'm going to say again this year that he's going to be overdrafted in fantasy leagues. I will die on that hill. I really will. So, so where do you think is appropriate place to draft it? I think he's being projected as a first round pick. I think that's crazy. I think I think if you take him at the end of the second round, that's legitimate. And and that's not how much I think of Stephon Diggs. That's how much I think of Josh Allen. By the way, yeah. So currently, um, Fancy Pros has him at pick nine in a PPR league. Exactly. Uh, I think that's behind- crazy. Uh, as wide receiver three behind Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. I think I think if you take Stephon Diggs, I'll, I'll just say right now, I'll die in the sale. If you take Stephon Diggs in the first round, you're going to lose your fantasy league. Do you know, what what about- you know what's interesting about that too is is they have Adams twice or, or second. I don't. If you have the balls to take Devontae Adams number two right, as number two receiver right now, good for fucking you. It's I not mean, right this now. guy. It's yeah. not this guy. Even by the time you draft, like, I I mean, if you go in and Aaron Rodgers hasn't firmly said, hey, I'm going to play this year, you're you got big old balls. And I I don't know. No, no, I agree. That's 100 (laughs) percent a questionable call. Three Um, receivers in the top nine is pretty damn uh, questionable for me, too. But bring it on. This is for a PPR league. Um, 
but uh, and then they have actually DeAndre Hopkins at twelve uh, as the fourth wide receiver off the board. If Diggs falls to the second round, are you willing to scoop him? Like I said, late. I think late second round. You can't. You can't. If he's there at the end of the second round, you got to take him. Um, at the beginning of the second round, I still think it's gamble. But I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't fault you for taking him at the beginning of the second round. I wouldn't. How, Based how, on many, other wide, how many other wide receivers would you have ahead of him? I mean, I'd have would to. Have I'd him? have to. I'd have to pull up the rankings, but um, I'd have quite a few. Ahead of him, I, I, okay. I I'm still putting Michael Thomas ahead of him. I'm definitely still putting uh, Devonte Adams ahead of him, um, even with the concerns about Rodgers. Yes. Okay. Tyreek Hill. Yes. Hopkins. Yes. Ridley. No. Justin Jefferson. No. DK Metcalf. Yes. A.J. Brown? No. Keenan Allen? No. But, okay, so but fringe, the mark but there. fringe, but fringe. So, so I think we've hit the mark there. So you've, you've got him right around. I guess you're really only elevating uh, Justin Jefferson over him? Metcalf. And, and Ridley? No, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Ridley and, Ridley and Metcalf. No, not, not no, Ridley either. I, I think it's just Metcalf. <laughs> You literally named the only guys that didn't elevate him in front of him. Um, but yeah, I I, 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 I don't. I... <laughs> so you don't write, you don't like Ridley this year. Um, I mean, we'll get I, into it. I, I do like Rid, Ridley this he's, year. He's a, he's a normal wide receiver on a on a pass pass heavy offense. I mean, I would. I mean, I. Yeah. I think he's gonna. All right. I think he's gonna decline slightly without Julio Jones on the other side. I think naturally that, that that's. I mean, we we've, we've seen guys who look like really good number twos, <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. when they get elevated to number one, fucking fall apart. Sure, dude, Derek. I think me and you are on the same page about Ridley. Like, I I think he's good, but I don't think he's an elite player. I really he's, don't. He's a stud number two. I worry about him being able to run all the routes to be the yeah. number one. Unless he's using like Tyreek, they you know run him all over the field, you know try to. But then again, like he just doesn't have that Tyreek explosion. Um, I know that, that's a hard one for me. Pitts, I'm curious to see how they use him. Do they move him outside and try to be Julio in situations? Do they leave him inside and pretend he's a tight end? Like I don't, I don't know. How, how we, about we? Good. Well, no. What were we gonna say? I was gonna say I was gonna switch a little bit gears in terms of uh, wide receivers to back to Buffalo, but if you've got something more relevant, no. If, if we're gonna say on the AFC East, uh, go yeah. ahead. I figured we'll get to some of the other stuff later. Uh, sticking in Buffalo, how much faith do you have in Cole Beasley? Because he was quite good last year, but the best season of his career. Yeah, and guess what? He still didn't have a thousand yard year. Marcus, the following clip has been deleted from the sports memory I archives. Make sure that you're not After Drew has had one too many now. scotches and has decided to shift the conversation towards vaccines for some reason. So we're just going to skip the next 20 minutes and get right back to it after the vaccine conversation. We hope you'll understand. (laughs) 
Mississippi State uh, won the College World Series for baseball, which uh, become <laughs> <laughs> which is their first national championship in any sport. Uh, there's only like two uh, group of five universe or uh, power five universities that do not have a national championship. It's Kansas State and uh, Virginia Tech remaining. Thanks for letting us guess. I did. Uh, I did see a cool story out of that though. So Mississippi State's uh, head coach was actually on campus as an infant. Uh, his dad was an engineering student, and him and his his mother lived in the dorms together back in the day uh, when he was an engineering student at Mississippi State. Guy ends up working his way back there, ends up coaching there, and then uh, when the when they won the the national championship, you actually saw his dad come back out and was like crying and all emotional. Like, you know, everything came around full circle. That's kind of a cool story. He he had like some badass speech, right? Either at the beginning of the tournament or before the championship game. Yeah. Some, someone said something. He's just like, "Hey, you're not even fucking supposed to be here. Go kick their ass." And they, there's something along it's those cool. lines. It's cool. You get in those tournaments and like you know, p- pitching staff can get hot and steal a tournament. Yeah. Um, their closer Sims is is the real deal, and you you see like on pitching ninja and like all these guys getting really hyped and the emotion, everything. It's it's great. One of my favorite stories of the week uh, is James Harden being associated with this little baby uh, issue in Paris where he got busted for 20 grams of narcotics, which was the first article that I saw. Can we stop calling weed narcotics? Can we grow up? We grow up. And oh, is that we, with it? Oh, you say narcotics. Yeah. I'm always. I'm thinking like heroin or coke. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty grams of coke. Like, man, that's a fuckload of coke. Like, you should probably be arrested for that. Twenty grams of weed. Like, it would be being arrested in, in can, world. Can we just grow up and stop calling weed narcotics? Like, it's it's really ridiculous. Um, but I will say, go to Twitter and look at the pictures. <laughs> Of James Harden and little baby, I, I don't know why, but they're so fucking funny. Go, go on Twitter right now and look up the pictures of James Harden just standing next to little baby as he's get, like getting arrested. They're really fucking funny. I don't. I don't. <laughs> James Harden just looks like so out of place in this whole thing. And by the way, James Harden was not arrested. Little baby's the only one that was arrested in this whole thing. But in every photo that you'll see of little baby getting arrested in Paris, James Harden just kind of awkwardly. <laughs> Stand there. <laughs> and I'm telling you, just go look at them. They're they're funny. James Harden looks weirdly old in all these photos, and uh, I don't know. I, I I thought this whole story was really funny because it's like a non-story, you know. It's you busted. know, you know, he kind of looks like. I'm looking at one of these photos, uh, and man, the way his his hair's tucked back or very very receding, kind of looks like a, a tiny Kimbo slice. Uh, <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> He really does. Oh man! <laughs> like, I, I, a, I, like what? What happened to James Harden? So go go on Twitter right now and look at the pictures of James Harden with little baby. He looks like he's like ninety eight years old. Like I, I don't. <laughs> he looks so old. He really, really all does. these photos. He really, really does. I don't know if it's his beard. Like what is making James Harden look so old in these photos? It's it's oh, hilarious. My God. I think it's also like the maroon tracksuit isn't helping anything, right? Or or burgundy or whatever the fuck color that is. Like I don't know. <laughs> and the old the old ass Chuck Taylors. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
Well, you gotta I think look it's at safe the... to say we are off the rails. We are. <laughs> We're off the rails. This is good. That's awesome. Uh, All right, guys. Well, uh, anybody have any other topics you want to cover? I got nothing else for you tonight, boys. Nothing else right. suitable. Well, I bought a bottle of Obon 14, which has contributed to me going off the rails. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but you know. Uh, <laughs> from all of us here at the Sports Theory Podcast, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, make sure to go and <laughs> Champa. Champa Bay, baby, go go and search the the James Harden fucking videos with little baby because they're fucking hilarious. All of them, they're funny. But anyways, good night, everyone. I love you. Have a good night.